Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Yeah. Cheerio, mate. Hi. You see how I put a little little I tail on the end of that? You know why I said cheerio? What? What's that? Why is that? We, we've had some uh, some listens from the United Kingdom. Oh, we have. Yes. Yeah, several, several. So if you're listening to us across the pond, cheerio, mate. We're expanding all across the, uh, the, is, the wait world. Wait a minute. Do they say cheerio, mate, or would that be Australia? Mate, I th- mate, mate is Australia, I believe. Cheerio, chap, chap. That's a good one. I like chap. Do I you like, wear chaps? I don't know, but I like. Do you find a, do you find uh, uh, accents attractive in women? I do. Me too. Even does it matter which one? Yes. Oh. Which one is not attractive? <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone, but <laughs> I like Russian, point. Russian, uh, oh, yes. Russian accent, yes, Russian, Russian, Russian accent. ladies. It's exotic. Well, welcome to another edition of the Eon Project, where we discuss all manner of things thereunto pertaining. Mm. Uh, but today's episode is going to be a little bit of a departure from what we normally do. Yes, it's a little darker. It's a little dark, but we're going to put a light, some light on we're, it. We're going to do our best to make it. And the reason that we're doing a show, well, basically we're we're doing a true crime show. But we're, we're we're tailoring it toward. Towards our listeners, uh, you want to tell them how we were able to, to select the true crime cases we're going to discuss today? Yes, so we decided to do a, uh, a one unsolved true crime murder mm-hmm. case mm-hmm. from a series of states. Yes, and the states were were basically picked from the top top ten yep. uh, states that have the most listens of the Eon Project. That's correct. Yes, well, that's exciting. It is, and we're, so we're going to discuss a uh, an unsolved murder from each of those states. Correct, uh, and again. It's a little bit of a of a dark darker subject matter than we're used to, and you have to stay tuned to see if your state made the list. You gotta stay tuned. The yes. whole you gotta stay through the whole thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, you know, what I just noticed. Yeah, you know, I've been coming to the Eon Project yes. Studios for a long time. Have you ever noticed that there's a uh, there's a cursed idol up on the shelf there? There's a couple of idols. Yeah, yeah. just two or three. I see three cursed yeah. idols. So the one on the left. Well, see, here's it's the thing. It's hard for people that can't see. They them. can't see. They can't see. But yeah. I'll, I'll give a quick story. So. Sure. I don't want to. I don't want to say the origins of this because the the country of origin mm. may send a secret squad of assassins to come get me. So that's true. I was in a foreign land oh. at one point. Well, you are a world adventurer. I am, and I was in a um, a country that had uh, ancient structures, oh. and I was touring the the area, the historical ancient structures, VIP tour, and um, I found that a portion of this particular uh, uh, building or, mm-hmm. or construct mm-hmm. was falling apart. Oh. So I I reached I kicked with, I kicked with my foot a little piece of the building <laughs> and I took it and I smuggled it in my crevasse. And you've had back, nothing but bad luck back since to the United Didn't States. Did you ever see the Brady Bunch episode I when know. he takes the, the piece of yes. of Hawaii from uh, the cursed idol? Yes. And you still did you still did it anyway. I did it and well, I still have him in my possession so somewhere. So that explains our our, uh, our horrible uh, uh, rating numbers. That's from, correct. From the Eon Project, those idols and all the terrible things that have happened to me. Well, before we get into the topic of the day, I did have a. a I, I want to introduce a what's what's going to become an, a running uh, bit on our show, Ooh. and that's going to be how to tell a psychopath. I'm oh. only going to tell one one bit of it today. Okay. But what it is is going to be uh, every week we're going to discuss. How to tell a psychopath from from the rest of us? Because mm. I'm not a psychopath, right? No. Or, or would a psychopath admit to being a psychopath? I don't think so. Hmm. But I wanted to ask you a question. Let's say, you know, you and I both we we, we attend uh, due to our work. We have to attend certain training mm. uh, training sessions, if you will. I like sessions, if you will. And some of these sessions are across several days, right? In the right. Sa- in the same place. Yep. And there's usually a classroom portion of said training. Now, let me ask you a question. 
Let's say the training starts on a Monday and you show up and you, everybody takes their seats. Mm. They're not assigned seats. Everybody takes their seats. And I guess this would apply to college as well mm. or any other type of an, uh, academic environment. And you take, you find your seat and the training ends for the day and you leave. Now, when you come back on Tuesday, where do you sit? The same seat. You sit in the same the seat. The same seat. So the person who doesn't sit in the same seat is a psychopath. Yes. Who does such a thing? It happened to me one time and it almost <laughs> caused a fight. <laughs> A fisticuffs. Fisticuffs. In the classroom. A Donnybrook. And the guy was being a complete what happened? butt monkey. He sat in your seat. He sat in my seat, and it was a packed <laughs> class. So and now, I'm, and now I'm fighting, and now I'm struggling to try to kick somebody out of their seat. Yes. Because you wouldn't give it up. Oh, my God. Who does, you, No, if you stake a claim for a seat, that is your seat for the remainder of the, no matter if it's a month, Correct. a day, a, a decade. Now, do you do this when you go to these classes? Do you have to get there extra early of course to you find the, early. the best seat for you? Yes, and sometimes I'll change angles. Like, I'll look at the front, and I'll go, nope, this angle doesn't work for me. i got to move. Mm. Uh, plus, you want to have, have an ample amount of people in front of you Correct. and behind you. Yes. You don't want... You don't want to be way in the back, but you don't want to be in the front either. You want to blend into the crowd. Blend in. You want to be, and plus you want to be you able to see. You want to be picked see, on by the to, instructor. Right. You want to be able to see who was walking into the room. Yes. You know, we both have lots of enemies. You want to see if any, any one of our assassin enemies, like from the country that you stole the artifact from. That's correct. You know, so anyway, I just wanted to discuss, that's, that's one of the things, how to tell psychopaths, somebody who doesn't take the same seat uh, on day two. It doesn't even seem natural that you wouldn't do that. No. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you'd be automatically go to the seat you were you, just in. Most people do. But then every once in a while, there's this idiot that wants to, to, to You know why? Because he was looking at your seat. He said, oh. I had the best seat because I got seat. there first. <laughs> this happened last week and I got there first exactly. and I had the best seat and then he, he tried it to anyway. All right. So we're going to get into the topic at hand. Why don't we do that? And we're going to start with, uh, so the, do you want to, st- actually, I'm going to have ah. you start because you, you, I believe you took the state with the highest number of listens, correct? Uh. No. Did oh, you I? didn't. Oh, Massachusetts. Yes, I did. Yes, I have Massachusetts. Okay. Why don't yeah. you start then? Okay, I'm gonna sift through my notes because these are in no particular order. Now, again, this is a slight, of, slight departure. We're talking about true crime, unsolved murders from the top ten states where we have Eon Project listeners. Mm. And the first state we're gonna talk about is the great state of Massachusetts, where I personally reside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go back, getting your way back machine to July 1974. What a year. Oh, great July. year. Disco was, a, was abound. Disco, afros were everywhere. Mm, cocaine mm-hmm. flowing. Yep. A group of young teens were walking their dogs along a beach in Provincetown, Massachusetts. You ever been to Provincetown? I haven't, thank God. Me neither. Uh, when all of a sudden, the dogs that they were walking began to act strangely. Ooh. The group then walked over to the side and discovered the naked and disfigured body of a young woman. Mm. Her head had been nearly decapitated and her hands were missing. In place of her hands, someone had placed piles of pine needles, of all things. Oh. Her clothes were placed nearby and consisted of blue jeans and a blue bandana. The left side of her head was crushed, and investigators determined that she was 25 to 35 years old and had been 10 for about, uh, dead for about 10 days, which is strange for summer in a resort and vacation area such mm. as Provincetown in the middle of July. Weird. The cause of death was determined to be blunt force trauma, and she had been sexually violated after death. By the use of a wooden block. After death. After death, yeah. I don't, I don't know, know how they, how do know. they determine I that. I don't know. Do you ever wonder? They're like, oh, she was she was uh, uh, taken advantage of. After. How do you know? I don't know. I don't know. These people are smarter than me. Efforts to identify this woman were stymied. She had, but she had expensive dental work, but no dentist in the area could identify her or the dental work. As also mentioned, her hands were missing, so no fingerprinting was possible, and no missing persons cases were filed that matched the description of the person. Hmm. So theories abound. Is it abound or abounded? Abound. It's just abound, right? Abound. People say abounded and they're wrong. No, that's not right. Theories abound about the identity of the woman. Some believe that she was an escaped convict from a prison that ended up running into the wrong crowd. Other people think that she had her hands removed, that the fact that she had her hands removed Im- implicates a mafia hit. 
you know, because they, they oh, try to that. hide her identity. Yeah, they try to hide their identity. So they became. She became known as the Lady of the Dunes, oh. which is kind of a creepy. They always come up with the best names for this stuff. They do. So her hands are missing. I thought it could have been the mafia. Some people think she was a victim of James Whitey Bulger, mm. the notorious Boston gang leader and psychopath who had killed his fair share of women and men both. But over the years, uh, you know, there have been some some rumors of suspects, but no, no, nobody was ever identified. Uh, no one was ever able to identify the woman or her killer. So her, th- technically, her killer may be still so out there. So this is still unsolved. Yeah, unsolved. Hmm. Flash forward 50 years. Ready for this? Got it. 2015. Sharp-eyed fans of the movie Jaws think that the Lady of Dunes actually appears in the movie. Come on. Swear to God. One of the crowd scenes, you can see a woman matching the description of the Lady of the Dunes, and she's wearing blue jeans and a blue bandana, just like those found on the is body. Is she alive in the movie? Yeah, she's, a, she's an extra. Oh, like an extra. She's an extra. Uh but they, they didn't write the names down of the extras in the production of the movie. But what did they film it, though? They filmed it in Martha's Vineyard. Oh, which they is, did. Which is, well, people go, Martha's Vineyard and Provincetown, they're both in Massachusetts. They're like two and a half hours away from each other. And one's an island and one isn't. That's correct. One, Provincetown is at the end of Cape Cod, and you'd have, to, you'd have to either take a boat all the way around to Martha's Vineyard, mm. or you have to drive. So it's not, it's not like it's right there. Right. It's a couple hours away. Uh, but it, it's far-fetched because of the distance. Hmm. Um, plus, lots of women in the 70s wore bandanas and jeans, right? Yeah. So we we that that uh, is a unsolved case from uh, the great state of Massachusetts or the Commonwealth, and that's one that'll probably never be solved. Well, no, it was nineteen seventy four, and and they didn't even know who she was, which is weird. Like right. you feel like today that would never happen, right? Like they would they would find a way to identify. Um, I, I think I think they do. I, I think their success rate is higher now than it ha- than it was in the past. Mm-hmm. However, I still think there are plenty of unidentified uh, victims of violent crime. Well, uh, sure, yeah, sure. Anyway, interesting. Case number one. Yep, that's case one. So before I get into case two, um, I wanted to tell you a little bit something that I've discovered recently and something that I've really gone down the rabbit hole on Ooh. and something that I've been into. Um, so you know how I... I in, you I'm, just said holes and things I'm into. I'm into the uh, ASMR. Yes. You know, the, 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 the talking... What does the, ASMR stand for? Do you know? Uh, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. I didn't think. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Yes. Okay. So it's where you know they they talk softly and they tap things and it gives you little tingles and they things of that sort. Talk softly and they carry a big stick. So here's the problem with it though. Mm-hmm. Much like a uh, an alcoholic or a drug addict, you eventually build up a resistance and a tolerance <laughs> to it. So I've noticed that suddenly it hasn't had the same effect on me. What is it supposed to have? It gives you a, 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 an overall sense of relaxation. It sends a, a, an interesting tingle. You uh-huh. get this tingle up your spine, into your neck, into your head that you can't really explain. Hmm. Um, it's just a very, very overall uh, euphoric experience. Okay. So because of that, I've had to search search out new ways to stimulate my ASMR stimulate something. play. Mm. So I found something called, um, <laughs> it, it's a YouTube page. It's called Angelo Shoeshine. That sounds like something that I wouldn't want to watch. <laughs> it, and it's a shoeshine man. Okay. <laughs> And he sits there, and he and he uh, uh, reconditions people's shoes. And you watch this? Yes. Wow. And so it's a point of view shot, looking <laughs> as if you're looking like you're the shoe guy. And you hate feet. But, so what's the, this but the shoes about? are on. The shoes are on. It's oh, fine. Okay. So it's like you're sitting in the uh, the chair, and your little feet are on the little stools, <laughs> and then the guy is in front of you, and he whips out his little uh, his oh, little brushes. He whips it out, huh? And he takes out his uh, his polishes mm. and his creams and his. Uh, his soaps, saddle soaps so you, and things. So it's is sexual for you? No, no, no not yes, at all. Yes, it is. And he rubs, rubs and yes, makes see? noises and the creams make noises and, and, and things. And, and the sound of the cloth against the boot. Yes. There's a lot of slapping, a lot of boot <laughs> slapping. Slapping. But uh, it's quite relaxing. You should, you should give it a try. 
I don't think I, what is it called again? Angel- Angelo Shoeshine. Angelo he gets Shoeshine. like two hundred fifty thousand views per video. See, we're in the wrong business. It's insane. They probably make money doing that. I think I'm going to come up with an ASMR uh, channel, oh. and I'm going to I'm going to uh, stick my fingers in a hot wax and rub <laughs> it on things. That's what I'm going to do. That sounds great. Well, you're you're up now. Okay, I'm up. I'm going to number two. Number two. Number two for me. This isn't in any particular order. You like no. going number two. That was the number one was no, number one. No, we're not going in order. This nope. is just from different states. So I'm going to the great state of Indiana. Oh, we know some folk out there. We have there. some ties there to the uh, to the, to the uh, Midwest mm-hmm. and the uh, flat corn field. You know, I've never been. Oh, it's great. Never been to Indiana. It's great. You can drive for miles and not see a damn thing. Oh. It's flat as can be. Like my first girlfriend. Oh. So anyway, this is uh, something called the LaSalle Street Murders. Ooh, LaSalle Street. You have to say it like that. You do. Uh, this happened in 1971. You know, actually, yes. Yeah, I'm go sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say. So the three, they were three businessmen, basically, and they were discovered on December 1st, 1971, mm-hmm. in a house at 1318 North LaSalle Street, and uh, I believe that was Indianapolis. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. That's a big city. Yes. And uh, yeah. So anyway, home of the Colts. Nobody has ever been prosecuted. Nobody's oh. ever been found. This is a uh, a mystery. To this day. Businessmen, you say? Yes. Hmm. Uh, it, however, you know, obviously it's unlikely anyone's going to be prosecuted at this at point. At this point. But uh, there are two theories of who committed or committed the uh, the slayings. Uh-huh. And all of the known suspects are dead currently. So, mm-hmm. obviously, they're not going to be brought to justice. Obviously. Um, but possibly there may be some accomplices still alive, but no one's really clear. There's no clear answer to this hmm. whatsoever. So the three men were killed at the house where uh, Indianapolis businessman Robert Hinson, mm-hmm. who was 30, James Barker... Who was twenty seven and Ro- Barker. Robert Giersey, thirty four. Their hands and feet were bound and their Ooh. throats had been slit. Ew. Cut from ear to ear, basically. Nice. And the bodies were discovered by John Carnes, who was uh, twenty nine years old. And how do they a- know they were businessmen with they wearing suits at the time? Well they, they That's were, how I can tell business. They definitely had suits on. They and had suits uh, on. but their but their business acquaintance uh, is the one that discovered the bodies. Ah. He's quoted as saying, I couldn't believe what I saw, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Carnes told the police it was just wasn't hu- human, I still can't believe it. Still couldn't believe it. Ew. So uh, there was a apparently there was a, a long bladed instrument, and the mm. death was almost instantaneous from what they're saying with the way that the the heads were cut. Yet another thing that I can't tell how they know that. Well, I mean, oh, the death was instantaneous. How do you know? You know, the guy could have been going. Argh. I honestly think I don't think I don't think any death could be instantaneous, no. right? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess if you vaporize in like a nuclear explosion, mm. that would be instantaneous. Would you still notice it though? Probably not, because hmm. you see the flash and then you're then you're gone. Correct. So apparently the theory is that there was more than it had to be more than one man that was involved in this. Yeah, three men, right? Three adult men. Three, you know, normal size, strapping, strapping young men, and they were able to uh, bind them. Mm. And it, maybe it wasn't a sexual game like some people like. So one of the theories is that Geercy and Hinson were friends. Uh, who, they were friends who had quit their previous jobs working for Jasper businessman Ted Uhland. Uhland? Is go- there an umlaut in his name? Umlaut? Yeah. What does that mean? You don't know what an umlaut is? It's the two little dots that go over a oh. U. That's an umlaut. Like in a uh, Norwegian uh, language? Correct. Oh, I got you. So apparently they were trying to start their own microfilming business. Microfilming? And uh, the theory is They're that... They're spies. They could have been. Ooh. The two allegedly had taken with them some of Ulin's clients, which you don't want to ever take somebody's clients away. That's the first rule uh, of business. Don't take other people's clients away. Apparently, Ulan had taken $150,000 of life insurance policies out on the men, and uh, he became one of, the, <laughs> one of the prime suspects that's, in the initial investi- that's investigation. That's what we call a clue. So they couldn't really pin it on him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously the, uh, the, the investigation continued for years and years with mm-hmm. uh, lead after lead and then hitting dead ends and roads and things of that stuff. But uh, Michael Lee Chastain, who was a former Indianapolis man who was serving two life terms in a Florida prison, mm-hmm. For the 1981 slaying of a Jacksonville, Florida man, he implicated himself oh. in a confession, which ultimately he recanted 
uh, several times. You ever wonder why somebody in the, some of these cases, and, and you're going to find them in some of my cases too, people confess to stuff that they didn't do. Mm. Why is that? I don't know. That's a phenomenon. It's called a false confession. So I, I guess in a bizarre twist, uh, Chastain, who acknowledged wanting to get out of his prison sentence, clearly, testified that former President Richard Nixon plotted the murders, <laughs> who were carried out by vanished labor leader Jimmy Hoffa. That so, could be. So somehow Hoffa was involved in this, and then Hoffa disappeared. You ever watch The Irishman? Uh, no. It's, it's about the... the um Supposed true story of how Jimmy Hoffa was killed and, and who did it, mm. for, but but from what and the movie itself wasn't too bad. Uh, they did a lot of de aging, they did CGI yeah, de aging. Uh, it's ter- I didn't like that part. It's kind of weird and bizarre. And, but anyway, the point of my my bringing that up is because supposedly the movie is fiction, mm. and the guy that that took credit for that stuff didn't do it. Mm. So I guess if you fast forward to two thousand one, the police received a letter written by uh, Fred Harbison. Who apparently had worked for Uland and uh, be on Saturday Night Live. who had died a few years earlier, leaving the letter in a safe deposit box. It apparently went unopened for a few years until uh, it was given to the police. And the former Indianapolis Police Department captain Robert Snow, Ooh, that's a cool name. who was in charge of the homicide unit in the late 1990s, said that in the letter Harbison and said Uland had hired him to kill the men, but never paid him to do the job. Oh, you got to pay him. Harbison couldn't very well go to the police for you know obviously he couldn't sue for the money. No. Uh, that's like the crackhead that says, hey, I bought crack from that guy, and he didn't give it to me. You'd be surprised how often that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I bought weed, and they didn't bring it out. I want this guy charged with lost. I'm charged. So wow. that's that one, and uh, continues to this day. Unsolved. But in the, in more than likely, Uland was involved, and he probably well, hired some people. You don't take $150,000 life insurance policies that get, uh, on other people, yeah. and then they, they end up dead violently. Mm. That's usually what we would call a clue. True. Anyway. Case is still open. Well, before we go any further, I wanted to say uh, hello. Remember we talked a few weeks ago, we talked about our friend Potter? Yes. Uh, I actually got a message from Potter the other day. Ah, Mr. Um, Potter. Yep, and uh, he he, uh, he said he loves the show. Mm. Uh, he says we're doing a great job, so we want to say hello to Potter. Hello. And uh, and Potter's friends. His, all his friends. His un, his nameless posse of friends. Ooh, he's got a posse? Apparently. Does he does he wear a hat? I don't like know. Like a cowboy hat, you think? Oh, and, and a lasso spurs? and spurs. Some people pay extra for that kind of mm. thing. Moving on. So, again, in no particular order, we're moving on. I'm moving now to the great state of Illinois, oh. where we actually have people listen to our show, believe we do. it or not. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to Ina, Illinois. You ever hear Ina? Have I been there? No, but I know Ina Horn. Hmm, who's that? I don't know. Lena Horn's sister? <laughs> Ina Horn is a sleepy town that had a store, bank, gas station, firehouse, post office, and that's about it. Back in 1987, November 1987, a man by the name of Keith Dardine and his wife Elaine mm. uh, lived into, uh, moved into a mobile home in Ina. Mobile home. That's exciting. Somewhere near Keith's, uh, the, the mobile home was somewhat near Keith's work site, which was at a water treatment plant. They had a three-year-old son named Peter, and Elaine was pregnant with their second child. Elaine stayed home while Keith went to work. Again, this all sounds pretty normal. Mm. This is actually a pretty, um, uh, it, it's a pretty uh, uh, sleepy town. It's like one of those towns, you ever, you ever, been to, you ever walk into a, a coffee shop in one of those sleepy towns, mm. and they all turn around, they get mad at you that you're they there? look at you. Because you're not, you're, not a, you're not a regular. They don't know you. You don't belong there. Nope. They're like, we're not going to serve you pancakes, you're an outsider. No. Seems like one of no those No pancakes, towns. no hash browns for you. No, there'll be no eggs for you today. Hey, what do you think of McDonald's hash browns? I love McDonald's oh, hash browns. Oh, my They're God. delicious. They're ambro- oh. ambrosia from the Lord. <laughs> how long could you live, <laughs> you think, on so a diet good. just of McDonald's hash browns? I don't know, but how many do you think you could eat before you got sick? I had like five today. On the way home. I, no, they used to be like fifty cents, but now they're expensive. Oh, they're expensive. Yeah, you can't just buy those now. Anyway, where was I? I was talking about Elaine staying home while Peter. Uh, no, by uh, she Keith, went to a coffee shop. Keith went to work. Yeah, I went to a coffee shop. So all accounts, this was a normal family. Elaine played piano at the church. 
Uh, and Keith sang in the church band. They had a church band, which would be pretty, no. It was like a it was a Baptist church. Oh, so they actually sang regular songs, not like the Catholic church where they just kind of sang off tune. Gotcha. That kind of thing. They didn't have a lot of money, but they seemed to be getting along okay. There was a recent uptick in violent crime in the area, believe it or not, even though it was a sleepy area. So they started to look for homes away uh, for the kids' sake. However, they weren't able to get out. Mm. November 18th, 1987, Keith fails to show up for work, which was very out of character for him. Boss can't get a hold of him. Finally, uh, make a long story short, the boss gets a hold of a relative because he's obviously very concerned. No call, no show. Yep. If you no call, no show, they fire you. That's not good. You can't do that. No. So anyway, they go looking for him. Unfortunately, they get to the house, and they find a horrific scene, and this part isn't actually not funny. So, Elaine was found beaten to death with a cracked skull. Peter the Three... She was beaten with a cracked skull? No, she had a cracked skull. Oh, from, she was found with from a cracked the skull beating. from the beating. I gotcha. Didn't I say that? That sounded weird, the way you said it. Beaten to death with a cracked skull? Yeah. That would be, that would be a way to go. He was beaten to death. He had his skull cracked by a cracked skull. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be confusing. You're making light of this situation, I'm and sorry. this isn't funny. Anyway. So, she was, she was found beaten to death... With a cracked skull. Mm. Peter, the three-year-old, was actually also beaten to death. Uh, both a three-year-old beaten to death? Yes. That's horrendous. Oh, it, it gets worse. Both with a baseball bat oh. that Peter had gotten recently as a present, which I don't know how you get in a, a three-year-old a, birth, a baseball bat, but evidently he was a big baseball fan. Even most disgusting was that sometime during the attack, Elaine gave birth, and the, inf- oh. the infant was born alive and then was beaten to death as no. well. Yeah. So... Again, disgusting and gross, and the kind of person that would do that, I have, I have no idea. But there was some evidence that the killer attempted to clean up afterwards. How do you clean that up? I don't know. Keith was nowhere to be found. So who's the first person you think would be if, if this you, you're an investigator and you mm. walk into this scene, right? Yeah. You got uh, a, a woman and two, a baby and a, a three-year-old all beaten to death in a horrible scene, and yes. the, the husband's gone. The who significant do, other. Who do you think did it? Is always the, orig- the prime suspect initially. Right. So that's what they think. They think Keith killed. They, they think Keith killed them and, and headed for greener pastures elsewhere. Nope. Next day, they find Keith's body in a nearby field. He had been shot three times, and most grossly, his penis had been chopped off. Could he have done that himself? You think? I don't know. Well, you you don't seem surprised maybe, at that. Maybe well, you were involved. Well, maybe he maybe he felt guilty about what he did. I don't know. Even more weirdly, this is this is even more weirdly than all of that stuff. Keith's car. He wasn't found in his car. His car was located about 10 miles away from the murder scene in a parking lot of a police station, of mm. all things. Inside the car was covered with blood, and they think Keith was killed in it or was mutilated and had his manhood removed in it. You know, you know what I think hearing the, the manhood being removed? I think of like a scorned lover, Yes, perhaps. Yes, so let, me get to the, let me get to the theories of the crime. Based on the forensic exam, they figured that Keith had been dead between 12 and 24 <laughs> hours before the rest of his family. Oh. So... How do, you, how do you resolve that timeline? It right. seems kind of a bit weird. No sign of forced entry. Valuables were left behind. No sexual assault on the woman. Um, Illinois State Police and 30 detectives dedicating full-time work to the case. And 100 interviews later, the police were not able to identify a motive for the killings, let alone find a likely suspect. Mm. FBI was brought in. They, they constructed a profile that never went anywhere. They never found a suspect, and they never came up with a workable profile. Jeez. Un- it still remains unsolved to this day. And they never had any similar murders nope. take place? And then you wonder, like, something like this happens, right? Hmm. You go back to normal life if you're the killer? Right, exactly. You, you kill people in the most horrific way possible, and then you just go back to it like selling hamburgers? How do you carry that with you the rest of your I, days? I don't, I, th- I don't think you do. I think that you're a nutbag, and you do something else. Hmm. And so those people just end up getting caught for other things. Right, right. And like like we had mentioned and alluded to earlier, some people took credit for the case later, and it turns out they had nothing to do with it, and they weren't able to be they weren't able to be in the area. So unsolved, 
the Dardeen murders mm. are horrific in nature. That's very interesting and, and, and terrible. Terrible. At the same time. Yes. All right, I'm jumping to another close state of ours mm. that we love to talk about. We've been there many a time. I have anyway. I don't know about you. I don't know. Maine. We're going to Maine. I like Maine. We're going to the great northeast. The rocky coasts of Maine. Yes. I like the rocky. You like... <gasps> the potatoes were bully. Oh, yes. My potatoes are bully. Yes. And a bumper crop. Did you... Did you do you like... Uh, would you rather have a beach, like a sandy beach, or a rocky New England coast beach? No. I don't like beaches any, in no, any me form or fashion. Me neither. But if I had to pick... It'd have to be like a softy, sandy beach. No, don't you want to stand? Don't you want to stand up on the rocks and enjoy a scotch as the as the the, the, well, the surf pounds the rocks? Well, you could you... go out. You could walk out into the jetty, mm-hmm. which is the the rocky outcropping that goes into the water. Or the breakwater. You can walk out there. And Not the enjoy break it. wind. That's different. But you got to be careful. I was um, I went on a uh, a date many years ago. You had a date with a young lady with a girl, and she took me to the ocean, and um, I had been. Pre-flighting beforehand because <laughs> I'm you're not known for women, my yes. uh, suavete That's true. around the ladies, yes, so yes. I had to uh, get the liquid courage going. <laughs> yes. So we went down and we were on a um, a rocky outcropping. You just said outcropping twice. I did by the water, right? So I had to go to the bathroom so bad. <laughs> and, and you're on a first date. So I'm on a date. So you didn't want to. I didn't know where to go. I said, "Excuse me, I'll be right back." <laughs> so I went and I climbed down some rocks oh, and no. I got myself. I almost got killed. Because yeah. I jumped down onto a rock, but it was... You know how the, the rocks sometimes get real slimy? Yes. From the, the seaweed and yes. the water and, and everything and like that? And other people peeing on them. And I slipped, and I fell down into a crevasse. And you thought you were going to die. And I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I barely was able to struggle my way out of it. Wow. Did you get wet? I got a little moist on my backside. Was she? Uh, <laughs> that was later Did in the evening. she get wet also? She was none the wiser, though. Oh. None the wiser. Nice. I pulled it off nicely. Well, congratulations. And then she pulled it off. Anyway, anyway. so we're going back to it's Maine. family show. And now let's put our serious faces back on. <clears throat> okay, we're going to Ogunquit. Have you ever been there? I actually have been to Ogunquit. It's nice up there. It's a nice little uh, sleepy little main town it on is. the water. Indeed. And we're going to talk about the unfortunate um, uh, abduction and death of Mary Catherine Olenchuk. Olenchuk? Olenchuk. Olenchuk and Ogunquit? Yes. That sounds like a lot. So as the story goes, her father was an, uh, was an army uh, brigadier general. His name was Peter George Olenchuk. Uh-huh. And he was promoted in 1970. Uh, he was basically for his part of in World War II and Vietnam's work with the Chemical Warfare Division. I see. Okay. Um, apparently, it, you is know, he responsible for Agent Orange? Oh, could be. Could yeah. be. Um, so you know, remember the uh, the Kent State shooting? I do. Okay, so that well, was the National uh, Guard fired into a crowd of protesters. That's right. So that was uh, still fresh in everybody's mind. Right. Uh, when Olenchuk was overseeing a controversial uh, program called Operation Chase. Oh. And the acronym stood for Cut Holes and Sink Them. And that, I'm being that's, serious. Are you serious? Yes. That's, a prop, that's the military term? Yes. That seems a bit simplistic. So it involved the, the disposal of at sea of unwanted munitions and chemical weapons. So they just dump it at sea. Correct. Then they wonder why our water is polluted. That, that's, that's right. So apparently on August 8th of that same year, a Kentucky newspaper had reported a threat from a student group that said it would kidnap the families of those involved. So, ah, the so threat exists. You think about the... Uh, um, you know, environmentalists, sometimes you have a militant wing yes. that uh, threaten to do harm to people that mm-hmm. potentially are damaging the environment. Yes. So that was kind of one of the threats that had come about. I see. So the general's daughter, 13, who was uh, Mary Catherine, as I stated, she was at the family's summer home in Ogunquit at the time, vacationing with her mother and her sisters. Mm-hmm. And on August 9th, uh, which was a Sunday afternoon, she left the beach on a friend's borrowed bike. Uh-huh. 
and uh, headed into town for a pack of gum and a copy of the New York Times for her family. I, would, I don't think I would drive into ta- I'd ride a bike into town for a pack of gum. Unless it was like fruit stripe gum, which I mm. yeah, I like fruit stripe gum. It's, it's good for like fat five seconds. Five seconds. But it's the most delicious five seconds of your life. It is. Yeah. But, you know, it's, there's not much crime there, you know, so you no, wouldn't even think true. twice about it. That's true. So the uh, she never returned home, by the way, after her uh, bike trip. Mm-hmm. The police and the Olunchuk family spent two days waiting for a ransom call, which never came. Did they find her bike? That's I'm, getting, I'm getting there. That's the most important thing. And the, obviously the police launched a statewide uh, search of, with four Army helicopters involved. And wow. A bunch of volunteers and other things I trying to find her. They called out the uh, cavalry for that. So Air Cav, Air Mobile. unfortunate uh, time period was 13 days after she disappeared. Her body was found like 10 miles away oh, from where she was last seen. Not good. Beneath a pile of hay in a, a Kenny Bunk barn. Oh, you know it, Kenny Bunk? Yeah, that's where Bush lives. Yeah, Kenny Bunkport. Where he lived. They still have a house there. Oh, well, he's dead. The Bushes. Isn't she dead, too? The, uh, well, yeah, H.W. and uh, Bob, Babs are dead. dead. So that's does, correct. But W. doesn't live up there. No, he does. Yeah. Oh, it's I didn't a know family. That. No, it's been in the family for generations. Oh, okay. Yeah, they still go up there. I see. Uh, her body was badly decomposed with a rope still wrapped around her neck, unfortunately. Ew. So uh, clearly she was strangled. Yes. Uh, Mary was reportedly seen getting into a maroon car with a dark-haired young man. Uh, but not a hippie type. Not a hippie. No, as described by a witness. And uh, no no arrests were ever made, obviously. And uh, the first days that Mary was missing, her father told reporters he didn't think his work was linked to her disappearance. But would he really admit to that uh, anyway, even if he no. thought that that was something that no. was plausible? he would probably not admit he, he didn't want to. He would want to distance himself from he that. He would think so. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, unfortunately, the Major General died also in the year 2000. He's buried in Arlington, just as a quick side note. Oh. And... Uh, after the, the the barn where Mary's body was found, about a year later, it was burned to the ground. Who uh, owned the barn? Did they say that or like the bar's just... owner maintained that the circumstances of the fire were suspicious? So they never. I, well, I'm sure they have on record who the barn owner was. No, I was just wondering if it had any significance to the disappearance. Like if it, they were able to tie it back to. Somebody. Well, potentially that was one of the theories, which is why it was burned to the ground. I guess. No, I, I get that. Yeah. So here's my question to you: If yes. you're going to kidnap somebody mm. uh, for a political statement or for a ransom, you don't kill them, right? You probably wouldn't, right? You, you would, wouldn't want to hold on to them. You want to hold on to them, it, or at least pretend like you hold you, you're holding on to them. And right, and, like the Leopold and Loeb case, which we discussed on a previous right. episode of the Eon Project, where they 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 killed the kid, but they sent messages anyway, right. looking for the money. You're gonna want to reach out to somebody, right? Interesting. So, never found, never solved. Wow, still cold case to this day. Yes, it is. Well, we are uh, around the halfway mark, and and, and uh, as with most Eon Project shows, around halfway, about thirty minutes or so, we do a some some, some sort of halftime show bit thingy, and I feel like today is is a down downer topic. Yeah, we're gonna uh, decompress a little. So we're gonna talk. Yeah, so I wanted to do something kind of fun, hmm. uh, fun and interesting. It has nothing to do with with true crime, <laughs> but it does have to do with Jay. And his knowledge of musical, oh. uh, musical things, all things musical. I failed terribly when yeah. we did the joint uh, show with uh, you, from you, the Black Lodge guys. You did, but that wasn't music. That was that was popular culture. Yeah. And now you you like music, and, and I'm stone cold sober today, so maybe that'll help. Maybe, probably not. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna play a special game today. Mm. And what I'm gonna and, and I we may have played this before once a long time ago, but I don't remember. I mean, it may have been some derivation thereof of this game. So what we're going to do is I'm going to say the a band name mm-hmm. of a famous band that they later changed their name to a, to what the famous name is now. So like a band... The like original a, name. The original name of a band. Okay. Now, some of these I think you'll have no problem guessing. Some of them I don't think you'll guess. 
Okay. But these names are funny, so I, I kind of wanted to pick some of the some of these. All right. So what we're gonna do is like for you, you get where I'm saying. I don't have to. I, I understand an, what you're saying. I don't have to give you an example. No. So I'm gonna give you the old timey name. Old timey. The the original name, yep. and then you have to give me the actual band that everybody knows them by. Okay. I'll and, do my best. And I want you to do this too, because you you t- you ch- you t- when we play these games, you tend to kind of jump in and yell right away. Because you want to prove how smart you are. But I want the people at home to play. And you're going to prove how dumb I am right now. I want the people at home to play, too. So give them a, c- a couple seconds. Okay. Even if you know it. I'll wait a second. Wait, just wait a second. Dramatic before you, pause. Before you blurt it out. And I'm going to start with an easy one. Okay. Okay, you ready? I'm going to give you the old-timey band name. You tell me the band name. Mookie Blaylock. Oh, I'm going to give it a second. I know that one. It came to me right off the bat. That would be uh, Pearl Jam. That's correct. Pearl Jam. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, they were huge basketball fans they, back in the day. Yes, and Mookie Blaylock was like one of those cult That's correct. basketball players that everybody played liked. Played for the Atlanta Hawks for many years. Didn't he play for another team as well? Uh, he, he may have towards the end of his mm-hmm. career. So the, the, actually, the name Pearl Jam, supposedly, there's a lot of theories about where that name came from. Yes. But supposedly it was a hallucinogenic jam made by Aunt Pearl, which was, I think, Eddie Vedder's aunt or one of the band members' something like relatives that. or something like that. I don't that. know how, how true that is. I don't know if that's is. true or not, but that's what I had heard. So I, I knew you would get that one, and that's why I used it off the bat. Okay. So, so anyway, we're going we're gonna to keep going. You ready for the next one? I'm ready. Okay. The Young Aborigines. Ooh. The Young Aborigines, huh? Mm-hmm. Would that be uh, UB40? No. <laughs> UB40. What is that? They're just Red Red Wine. Yeah. And any other songs that you know uh, from they UB40? They did a, um, an Elvis cover. A cover of an Elvis song. Yeah. No. So the Young Aborigines later became the Beastie Boys. Oh, that yeah. That, make, that makes sense. That was their, uh, they, were, they had a couple of names. Yeah. But the, the Beastie Boys. Okay, so you got uh, one. That rings, that rings a bell now yeah. that you mentioned it. You're one for two. Okay, they don't get harder. I'm in trouble. I think you're going to get this one. I'm going to give it a second because of something you just said. Okay. Naked Toddler. Uh, Nirvana. No. <laughs> oh, really? Creed. That would be Creed. Oh, I should have known they that. They were known as... I thought you would get that I one. I should have known that. Yeah. They were also known as Stapp's Creed, because they all had to be about Scott Stapp. Oh, yeah. Whatever happened to Scott Stapp? Uh, he went totally nuts. Oh. Back in, like, the mid to late 2000s. Yeah. And he had a, he had a complete meltdown. Uh, mm. Went into the nut house. He really? Was, uh, he was hooked on pills and no booze. kidding and wasn't he like a christian dude like yeah he was all about but he, he climbed his way out of it and he made oh. a, he made an album recently a solo album he did have an interesting voice yeah he was no he was good the the, the you know creed has become a, uh kind of a punchline nowadays yeah um they had a lot of hits but they the were day. they were they were a huge band back in the late 90s early 2000s and mm-hmm. if you listen to them and you know anything about music they, they were extremely talented and obviously the the remaining members went on to form alter bridge with uh, uh, miles kennedy uh, as the lead singer, uh, is that a Christian player. band? From what it sounds like, uh, well, Mark Tremonti is uh, has Christian influence, so he's the lead guitar player. I don't know why you'd name your band Naked Toddler. That doesn't seem like very Christian. To no, me. it doesn't. Anyway. Wow, I can't believe I didn't get that either. Okay, here's one. Here's one that I don't think you'll get this one, but we'll find out. Ready? The Polka Tolk Blues Band. Oh, that's a uh, Weezer. No, you're supposed to give time too. Because I didn't know it. That's why. Black Sabbath was originally known as the Polka Tulk Blues Band. Mm, I don't know why uh, they came up with that name, but Black Sabbath sounds a hell of a lot more metal. It does. Black Sabbath is about the metal. Can you imagine if they would have kept that original name, but yet no one, still No one would have ever heard. Oh, no, I guess not. Probably. Iron, uh, what was it, uh, War Pigs by the Polka Polka the Polka, Polka, Polka Band? Polka Band. Okay, moving on. Ready for this? Yeah. The Sex Maggots. These are hard. Oh, yeah, I know. Some of them are hard. Um, give me a little clue. Uh, they were big clue? in the 90s. Big, not so much anymore. 
Um, uh, spin doctors. <laughs> no, Goo Goo Dolls. Oh. Was originally known as the Sex Maggots. I, I never was a big Goo Goo Dolls. I should have known fan. that. I watched the behind the music. Did you? Of, of Goo Goo Dolls, yeah. I don't think I would watch a whole documentary about the Goo Goo Dolls. You know, the, the lead singer, Johnny Resnick, was not the original lead singer. I did not know that. The bass player originally sang for the band. Oh. Johnny Resnick had, was, had like, stage fright, and he was too shy to sing. He's got a really good voice, though. But yeah, no, he's good. He's good. Yeah, they were huge back in, back in the 90s. All right, I got a couple more. This one's pretty fairly easy. So I know about, about the bands. I just don't know their original yeah, names. Yeah, you, uh, you seem to know a little bit about each one of these yeah. bands. Which is, which, you didn't know these, right? No, no, no. Okay. The New Yardbirds. Oh, it's... Um, the, the, the new Yardbirds? The new Yardbirds. What? Led Zeppelin? Yes. Correct. Okay. Because I'm thinking of like the Yardbirds <laughs> with Jimmy Page and yes. Jeff Beck and all those yes, guys. Yes, that's why, because it was originally yeah, yeah. Jimmy Page. Okay. So you got... How long you, did they go by the new Yardbirds? Um, I don't know exactly, but they, that was the original name of Led Zeppelin. Okay. Yardbirds. Interesting. Interesting. couple that's more, ready? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tom and Jerry. <laughs> uh, classic rock band or... Uh, yeah, no. No. Like folk. Oh, a folky band? Or folky band. Uh, Arlo Guthrie? No, Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, okay. Tom and Jerry. Gotcha. Okay. A couple more, ready? You should get this one. Wicked Lester. <laughs> Wicked You, you know what's funny? You're, you're, these names I've heard before, yeah. but I just can't associate them right. with, with an act. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be... Um, that's uh, what was, uh, Alice in Chains. No, that would be Kiss. Kiss was originally titled Wicked Lester. Mm. And uh, I read a little bit of background, and um, they were going by Wicked Lester, and then somebody, and I think it was, oh, they, this was before Peter Chris was in the band. Mm. And then Peter Chris joined the band, and he said, let's change the name. I don't like Wicked Lester. How about Kiss? And all the band members excoriated him and called them names and said that was too, quote, pansy, mm. and, and too much of a pansy name. But they, he, he was able to persuade them that it was, it was I thought, actually I thought cool. the I thought the story goes that somebody said, well, keep it simple, stupid. That Well, yeah, I don't know where he came up with the name, yeah. but, that, but it was Peter Chris's idea, supposedly. All right, last one, ready? Yeah. Atomic Mass. I, I, I don't know. That's uh, Neil Diamond. No, Def Leppard. Hmm. And also, Def Leppard patterned their name on Led Zeppelin. They yes. they utilize the 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 same uh, sentence structure or the same word structure correct in order to capitalize on some of that and, and you know they were they were uh, big in their own right not as big as Led Zeppelin no of course not um, so there's there's music geeks out there that probably got every single one of those I hope so and I hope you, ha- you and know, uh, I struggled That's bring, two, bring, two weeks in a row now bring bring a little bit of uh, trivia to your life so the next trivia game I'm gonna make Mike look stupid good luck man uh, next time we do that but I think we're gonna try something a little different next time. Okay. Get well, back to our roots, right, if so you will. So you did the last. You just. I did. We were in Maine. All right. So we're going to go to a... Okay. We're going back into true crime unsolved murder cases from the top 10 states who listen to the Eon Project. Mm. So congratulations if you live in one of these states. Now, for the next one, we are going to go to the great state of Texas. Who boy. You ever been to Texas? You've been to Texas. A few times. I lived in Texas times. for a number of years. Yeah. We have some listeners in Texas, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, welcome to, to you folk, you fine folk from the, the great state. I went to the Alamo. I did not pee on it, though. You did not pee on the Alamo. Uh, which would be an Ozzy Osbourne well, reference. Okay, let me ask you this. You've been to the Alamo. We've both been there. Actually, we went together. What's the first thing you thought of when you saw the Alamo? This is this is um, underwhelming. Underwhelming, is it? It's very <laughs> small. The original Alamo was like a sprawling yeah. complex. Uh, but nowadays, it's just like the front that everybody knows. Yes. And so it's very small. And there is no basement. There's no basement in the Alamo. Pee Wee's nope. bike is not there. And for those of you who don't know that reference, you have to go back and 
and watch Pee Wee's Big Adventure with Large Marge. And Greatest movie of 1985. It's wonderful. Anyway, we're going to Texas. And actually, it's the, the border of Texas and Arkansas, the town of Texarkana. Oh, I've heard of it. The Texarkana Moonlight Murders. You ever hear of this story? No, but I like the sound of that. Mm. I like Moonlight Wieners, by the way. Moonlight Wieners are delicious. Speaking it's of not which, what you the, think. I'm, I'm not going to get into it. The price of wieners is ridiculous. Now it's like $1.80 or $2 a mm, wiener. Too much. Ridiculous. Over a 10-week period in 1946, the boring town of Texarkana, which sits on the border between Texas and Arkansas, was gripped with fear as a masked madman killed seemingly at random, always at night, and then disappeared into the Texas night. Mm. You like how we did that? I mm. made it sound all... all uh, it was dramatic. All dramatic and stuff. So beginning on February the 22nd, 1946, young lovers Jimmy Hollis and Mary Jean LaRay were about to bump uglies on a deserted road in their car mm. when they were approached by someone with a flashlight and a gun. Scarily, he was wearing a white cloth mask with eye holes cut out. Ew. Oh, boy. That sounds creepy. The guy ordered Jimmy to take his pants off, hello, and proceeded to fracture his skull with the butt of his handgun. Yikes. He then told Mary Jean to run and then chased her down and he sexually assaulted her with the gun and beat her. Then he disappeared into the night. How do we know these details? How do we know? They survived. Oh. And they were able to recount the, the tale, hmm. which is how they know he wore a mask. Kind of creepy. And I'm going to get into the mask in just a minute. A month later, March 24th, the bodies of Richard L. Griffin, 29, and his girlfriend, Polly Ann Moore, 17. Again, let me read that again. Hmm. Richard Griffin, 29, and his girlfriend, Polly Ann Moore, 17. Oh. If, you, if, you're, if your daughter robber. was 17, would you allow her to date Not a 29-year-old man? Not happening. No. So they were found in Richard's car on a secluded back road that was commonly used as a lover's lane. Both had been shot once in the head, and a 32 casing was found outside the car. Polly Ann Moore had been sexually assaulted, but that was kept out of uh, the papers due to respect for the family. So now there's two dead bodies, hmm. uh, and the girls sexually assaulted, they were shot. This, this actually sounds very similar to some other cases that, that we I'm, I'm, I think we've discussed on previous yep. episodes. A month after that, actually about three weeks later, April 14th, the body of Paul Martin, 16, was found on a dirt road outside of town. He had been shot multiple times, including in the face. Ew. Several hours later, the body of his girlfriend, Betty Jo Booker, 15, was found about two miles away up the same road, shot to death, and it looked like she, her body had been posed after death. It was like some sort of weird pose. Mm. Um, there was uh, also evidence of sexual assault, although, again, they didn't make too big of a deal of that because back in the 40s, they didn't. They didn't. Um, they didn't say too much about that kind of thing. Right. Uh, so again, they find a 32 casing found at the scene. So now he's now he's got four bodies and two attempted murders, hmm. uh, and they're assuming this is the same guy because in this, in this area, same mo, you know, that kind of thing. So now we get we come to May 3rd, which is about three weeks after. So every three weeks, this this guy strikes. May 3rd, Virgil Starks, which is a cool name for a Texas guy was sitting in his easy chair reading a paper when he was shot dead through a nearby window. So he just sitting there, minding his own oh, business. Oh, man. Shot through the window, killed him. His wife, Katie, sees her husband falls over, uh, doesn't understand what the heck just happened. She comes over to try to help him. She gets shot twice in the face, but manages to get out of the house and call a neighbor. From the outside in to Correct. the house? Correct. They were out. Somebody was standing outside, oh. the, outside the window and shot him. She survived, hmm. but she didn't get a good look at the guy. She, she said she thought she, he was wearing a mask, evidently. And that was it. The guy just vanished. Texas Rangers were called in. They tried to work the case. No one ever was arrested. Chuck Norris? No, it wasn't It wasn't T- Walker, Texas Rangers. Oh, oh, oh. It was the real Texas Rangers. They made a really bad movie about this, loosely based on the on the case called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. You ever hear of that one? No. It's a really bad movie. It came out in 1976. 
Uh, interesting note, though, it is known, it is widely known as the first so-called slasher film because it featured a masked killer, and it came out in 1976, which was two years prior to Halloween, which came out in 1978. Hmm. So, I'm not suggesting that Halloween was based on the town that dreaded sundown, but that movie was widely considered to be the first slasher movie. So, this guy, um, you know, he comes out, he kills a bunch of people, tries to kill a few more people, and then just disappears, and you can't ever find... And part of the, the lure of the movie... Was that, um, and they? I actually did see the movie. It's it's bad. Um, they say he could be still walking the streets of Texarkana. Oh, and then it showed him. It showed the the killer's feet supposedly standing in line to watch the movie. Oh, so it's a pretty cool uh, yeah. marketing trick. Interesting. And actually, to this day in Texarkana, they show the town that dreaded sundown around Halloween. Every year, a yeah. public showing, and they show it in a park where one of the murders took place, which I, can't, I think is bad taste. That could be one of those, you know, kind of what we talked about with uh, from the Black Lodge guys, you know, in terms of like a, a legend that can self-perpetuate, essentially. Yes, yes. Where, you know, now that they're, you know, you get a figure like the youth of that town every year around Halloween are probably like, oh man, we're going to go to this uh, right. murder site, we're going to watch right. this movie. Well, it, it actually, kind of along the lines of what you just said, there because the movie came out, people, and again, this happens all the time. People get their history from movies, mm. and a lot of times it's not right. Sure. So they did. They had a lot of artistic license that they played with the, with the with the crimes in the movie. Yep. And because the movie came out so long ago, it's made its way. The, the stories have made its way into the pro, into the popular retelling of it. So people go, "Oh, this is where Betty Jo Booker was killed with a knife." When actuality, she was shot. And but because like it's 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 difficult to tell truth from reality. Because, sure. Because the movie made it portray it a certain way gotcha yeah speaking of truth from reality go ahead and hit that light over there so um do you have like weird and strange and unexplained things that happen in your house that you don't understand well i have children so yeah yes yeah. that's my point exactly yeah. uh-huh. this is not paranormal in nature but it's really unexplainable <laughs> okay so i was um before your arrival here today i was trying to tidy up the eon project studios oh. it was a bit of a mess down here oh. and i found a i found something that was strange it was behind uh it was behind a piece of furniture. Oh. It was a coffee mug, okay? Coffee mug. With dirt in the bottom of it <laughs> and a piece of an acorn and and a magnet. Wow. In it, like a like a fridge magnet, okay? With in the mug. In the mug, just sitting there. Like Some, I think somebody's trying to put a voodoo hex on. I don't it. understand what that was. That's what that is. It didn't it didn't make any sense to did, me. Did you interrogate the uh, the populace no. to find out who, who no, they have... weren't they weren't here when that happened. Oh. So I I did a, a ritual. Maybe it was the dog exercise the demons. Did you spread salt around the perimeter of the house? I did. Good good job. And then I had Burn salt some pork. sage. What is salt pork? You ever seen salt yeah, pork? Yeah, it's like what's in beans. Yeah, you ever eat beans? beans? It's got like a thing of pork in it. Do you eat it? I don't eat that. What do it's you like do with it? Fat. What's I don't the point know. of it. I like beans. You like beans? I like a bean. I like a baked bean. You kind like of baked beans? What kind of beans? You like various beans? I like baked beans. You like baked beans? Mm-hmm. Do you like uh, like uh, I don't like green beans. Green, you don't like green no. beans? I like the green beans. No. I don't like the French cut green beans. I don't though. like green beans. Ugh, at the all. French cut green beans are too flamboyant you know, for me. Yeah, French cut green beans are very uh, pompous. Yes, they they, they they have to make a spectacle of themselves. Yeah, they're all thin and weird. Thin and they got like flourishes hanging off of the end yeah, of them. I'm I don't understand it. Moving, anyway, moving on. So we're going to get into a case, uh, and I, I'm, I'm mentioning this case because it's not completely unsolved. Mm. It's a, by the official investigation it has been solved. However, there are many who feel that it is still an open case. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'm also mentioning it because it is a, it is local to the area here. Okay. So we're going to the great state of Rhode Island. Oh, I love Rhode Island. Where we're recording from. It's the biggest little state in, in the, the Union. Union. Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Rhode Island. Rhode Island. 
So anyway, we're going to go to Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Have you been there? I've been to Woonsocket, Rhode Island a couple of times. Yes, have you? I have. So there's a lot of strange shenanigans that happen in that yeah, town. And if imagine. you've never been there, you don't, you don't know go. anything about it. Well, there's no reason to go there if, you, if you're not from around here. Uh, well, you get the wieners. Yep. And you can walk around those, in pajama pants those, and nobody will think twice about it. That's true. A lot of people wander the streets of Woonsocket for no reason. They do. Like, I don't know why. At random times of the day, yep. like 5 in the morning yep. with a case of Natty Light. Just wandering around. Yep. So anyway, um, th- this is a, uh, a, a case of, of the murder of a young lady named Doreen Picard. Oh, yes. And the reason I'm, another reason why I'm mentioning this is because this put one socket on the map back in the, the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Because it was featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries with yes. Robert Stack. The most terrifying show of all time. And uh, that, was big, that was a big deal uh, yes. back then at the time in this that. particular area. So yes. Doreen Picard, who was 22, and Susan Laferty who was 27, they lived in an apartment complex in the great city of Woonsocket here. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a little background, Doreen was studying for a career in childhood development. Mm -hmm. Um, She lived alone in an upstairs apartment. And Susan was a housewife and an active member of the neighborhood watch, Uh uh, ironically enough. And she lived with her husband, Ernie, and their two children. Uh, And they they actually owned the apartment complex that they all lived in. Mm -hmm. So on February 19th, 1982, Doreen began uh, packing to move out of the apartment complex. I don't know where she was moving. I don't know either. Um, that afternoon, Susan had lunch with her sister, Carol Rivett, in, her, in Susan's apartment. Did they have wieners? And at about 1.30 p.m., two of her friends arrived there. Carol recognized one of them, but not the other. Oh. Susan told her that they were planning to look at puppies that Susan was selling. What kind of puppies? I'm not sure. Oh. I like puppies, though. Yeah. Uh, she talked to them for a few minutes until they left. Carol left the apartment around 1.45 which was about 10 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Sometime after that, Susan went downstairs to the basement to do laundry, which was your first mistake. Yeah, don't go downstairs. No. Bad, always not bad in things happen in the basement. Doreen was also there doing laundry at the time, and at some point, an unidentified man came in into the laundry area with a uh, with a pipe and brutally beat them both to death. What? Well, well, I'm sorry. Brutally beat them both. Yes. Doreen died. Right. Susan did not die. Yes. She went into a coma. Ooh. So at 3.20, uh, Doug Heath, also lived in the apartment complex, discovered... Susan's three-year-old daughter, Nicole, unattended in the hallway, locked out of the apartment. Unsecured and unattended. That raised, obviously, some red flags there. Mm -hmm. So when he asked her where her mother was, she told him that she was in the basement. So the child knew Uh that the uh, the two ladies had been, were down in the basement. Wow. uh, Beaten. He then discovered Susan and Doreen's bodies and called the police. Uh, As I mentioned, Doreen died from the attack. And Mm -hmm. obviously, Susan suffered some serious head injuries. uh, And she was hanging by a thread. Uh uh, Almost perished, but did not. Uh, miraculously, she he tried to perish her, but she did not perish. She her. did not perish, and she survived the uh, the brutal attack. However, she was in a deep coma for quite some time. She's perishable. So obviously, the police were fair of her uh, for her safety, so they put a guard outside of her room to protect her. Which you know, you see that a lot. On, uh, you see it on TV. On TV I don't know how lot. how it happens in real life very often, but so when she, you know, obviously they they had hoped that she could identify the attacker, but she didn't have really any memory when she finally came out of the coma, right? Uh, of anything that happened previous to that date, so. Nicole, who was the three-year-old daughter, was really the only person that you could describe as a witness at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she told her grandmother, Florence, that, Florence that she cool let name. him into the building, believing that it was her mother's friend. Uh-huh. She said that she went downstairs and then returned several minutes later, locking her up. But before he left, she saw the man with a lead pipe and a white rag with bloodstains in his and, back pocket. And she didn't think that was important. Well, no, it's the three-year-old. Oh, the three-year-old. Yes. So we don't know how... how... So the authorities apparently were unable to use her testimony because of her young age, mm-hmm. right? So the killer actually left the murder weapon uh, hidden in the house somewhere, which they had actually located. Hmm. So let's let's fast forward a few years, right? Let's. So as I said, 1988, this happened in 1982. In 1988, it was uh, featured on the show Unsolved Mysteries, which scared the crap out of me as yeah, a kid. Yeah, it's very frightening. 
I used to watch it from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. I think it was Monday evenings. Mm -hmm. And uh, my bedtime was 9 (laughs) p.m. But I was always allowed to stay up till 9.30 in order to decompress. Why would they let you watch that? (laughs) So I was allowed to watch from 9 to 9.30. I was allowed to watch Night Court. Oh, I like Night Court. Remember that that sitcom with uh, Judge Harry? And Marky Post. Harry Stone. Mm, I like Marky Post. Marky Post was attractive back then. So uh, I shared a few laughs with my family watching Night Court, and then I was able to go to sleep afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, wow. So at that time, it was it was obviously unsolved at that point, right? But right. in 1991, a gentleman by the name of Raymond Beaver Tempest, Beaver Tempest Beavis was his nickname, not his given name, wow. was arrested and charged with Doreen's murder in the attack on Susan. Okay. Okay. So how he, did they find him so much, so many years later? Well, they had a lot of actually they got a lot of tips from the unsolved mysteries episode. Ah, okay. Robert they, Stack did his job. They, he absolutely did. I wonder what the uh, I wonder what the success rate of that television program Probably was. Probably not very high. Right. Um, so he ultimately was uh, tried and convicted of this crime. However, some people think that he didn't commit the crime. In 2004, uh, excuse me, 2014, Tempest approached the uh, New England Innocence Project for help in seeking out DNA testing, basically. Yeah, because to, now they could do DNA. And have to declare his name because apparently uh, Doreen had a clump of hair in her hand oh. that she was, uh, and they they were able to run some DNA testing on that. Okay, but uh, it was found to be inconclusive. Oh. At the time, did they attribute a motive to him? Like you know, you it's well, hard to convict somebody. Yeah, one of the motives was is that he was supposedly having an affair with Susan. Susan. Okay. And uh, I guess that was part of part of some of the reasonings why he went over there and mm-hmm. tried to uh, cover up his tracks. I see. I don't know, but Tempest he actually claimed that the real killer was a name by by a man a man by the name of Donald DeGacy. Oh. But he died in 2011, so obviously there was no way to uh, mm. to prove that uh, that thing. But he was released. Believe it or not. Oh, is he walking the streets today? In 2015, a Superior Court judge decided to vacate his conviction uh-huh. based on unreliability of witnesses and alleged prosecutorial misconduct. Oh. So he was released on bail, and, and you know, in 2017, the state announced that they were going to retry him. However, he actually entered an Alford plea. What's Tempest that? did. An Alford plea? Yeah. It basically means if you're, you're proclaiming your innocence. You're still claiming that you are innocent of the crime. You didn't commit it, but you are acknowledging... That the state has uh, enough evidence to convict you. That's bizarre. Right. But he was released anyway, and uh, so the case is considered closed. However, there are still some skeptics that think that there's the killer is still out there. I remember listening to that show, uh, watching that show on uh, Unsolved Mysteries and being afraid to go into my basement. I can yes, tell you that. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't like the uh, composite sketches they would do on that show. No, composite sketches are always creepy. And they never look like the guy. No. <laughs> they try to make him look as scary as possible. Did you ever see the composite sketch that they did of, uh, it was on the, one of those documentaries that came out recently about Ted Bundy, the one that, the one that had been out about Ted Bundy. It didn't look anything no, like him. It was like no. a surfer dude. Yeah. And they're like, look, this is the killer. And you're like, that doesn't you look know, anything like Ted Bundy. <laughs> historically, eyewitness testimony can, can yeah, be right. quite unreliable. Yes. That's because it's people and people are dumb. People are dumb. Largely. What do you got? Okay, moving right along. So we're going to go out to a state where I actually spent a lot of time, uh, unfortunately, not because I wanted to. And that would be California. Oh. Where I would never move to in a million years nowadays. But we do have some listeners in California. So if you're listening there, uh, hello. Is the Sunshine State California? Or is that That's Florida? Florida? That's Florida. Then what's California? California is the, um, the homeless state. Yeah, the, the, the fecal matter. You ever seen the Saturday Night Live skit, The Californians? No. Oh, my God. Anyway, go go and watch it. It's funny. I will. 1981. If you notice, a lot of our cases are older, and I think we did that on purpose because we don't want to talk. Uh, you know, we make light of a lot of things. Yes. We don't want to make light of people's pain. Correct. And and these these are old enough ago, old enough ago. 
We, we, we are sensitive. Yeah. We don't want to, to talk a degree. About, we don't want to talk about because because people, you know, they don't want to hear us two idiots making fun of murders. Anyway. 1981, in the town of Keddy, Northern California, mm. 36-year-old Sue Sharp, her 15-year-old son John, 14-year-old daughter Sheila, 12-year-old daughter Tina, and 10-year-old Rick, oh, sorry, and 5-year-old Greg, moved from Connecticut to Keddy after Sue divorced, divorced her allegedly abusive husband. Mm-hmm. They moved into Keddy Resort Cabin number 28. So it was like this resort area, mm. and they had these cabins. And if you look at the pictures, they don't act, they're not really cabins. It's kind of misleading, but it's like a, it's like a rental unit. Yep. And they tried to make a life. April 11th, 1981, seemed to be kind of normal. Kids are out playing with neighborhood kids and whatnot. Evening comes. Yep. 14-year-old Sheila leaves to spend the night with a friend, and the neighborhood friend of Rick's, along with a, another neighborhood kid named Dana, who is John's friend, sped the night at cabin number 28. So now, the reason I tell you all that is because there's seven people in this house as, as night falls. Sure. Sometime during the night, persons unknown made entry into cabin number 28 and committed horrible crimes. The bodies were discovered by Sheila, who returned home from her sleepover that mor- the next morning. First, she found 15-year-old John, who had been tied up with electrical tape, beaten with a hammer, and had his throat cut. Mom Sue was next to John, nude from the waist down, bound and gagged with tape, and covered with a blanket. She'd been stabbed multiple times and beaten, which was late- with what was later determined to be the butt of a daisy pellet rifle. Hmm. Although she was nearly naked, she was not sexually assaulted. Next to them was the neighbor- neighborhood kid, Dana, who was also beaten, but he was also strangled. Tina, number uh, 12, was missing. Now, if you're counting in your head, that's four people mm. that are that are uh, supposedly victims of crime, and there's three left, three little kids. And you would think, oh, my gosh, what happened to the little kids? Right. They were all fine, sleep, oh. sleeping in the next room. So three little kids were found asleep, never having awakened during the murders. Wow. Which is bizarre, considering yeah. the crime scene. So they found a hammer and a knife found next to the bodies. A second knife from the Sharps' kitchen was also found. Uh, it was a steak knife that had been bent backwards because of blunt uh, because of trauma that caused by one of the bodies. There was also a shoe print that was found. Now, here's something that it's, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. Neighbors reported hearing muffled screams about 1:30 a.m., but disregarded them and went back to sleep. If you hear muffled screams at 1:30 in the morning, what are you doing? Yeah, you're calling the police, you know, aren't you? It's funny. It, it, there's a phenomenon that happens where things that you think people should be calling the police on, <laughs> they don't, yeah. and things that they shouldn't be, they do. Right. It's like the opposite world. It's opposite world. It's strange. If you hear okay, I'm gonna public service announcement. If you hear muffled screams from a neighbor mm. at 1:30 in the morning, call the police. Yeah, that's what they're there for. So because Tina was missing, the 12-year-old, the FBI was called in. But, but t- despite the nature of the crime scene, there seemed to be little by the way of physical evidence linking anyone to the crime. They interviewed dozens of people, no clear suspects, and no Tina. So she's just missing. She's, hmm. she's in the wind. Three years later, 1984, 60 miles away, some guy finds a skull along the side of a road uh, and some other belongings that would ultimately uh, be identified uh, with the Keddy Cabin murders. And and the, so the the um, the remains were ultimately identified as Tina. So sixty miles away, three years later, they find Tina's skull. Jeez. Um, around the same time, an anonymous caller to the police said the remains that were found were Tina, which turned out to be correct. But the caller was never identified, and they never they never found out who the caller was. Hmm. Uh, there have been many suspects throughout the years, but no one was ever arrested or charged for the murders. So they think that uh, some of the theories are that there was uh, that the the Sue the mom was. Uh, involved in some affair with someone, which you know, which would explain some of the violence of the case. But because of the because of the nature of the crime scene, multiple people, mm. they figure it was more than one person. Um, 
but they never found out who did it. Some people claim, uh, I mentioned before, some people claim that they did it, but then it would turn out later they didn't do it. So the Keddie Cabin murders is a very disturbing case. You should look it up hmm. if you haven't heard of it before. Interesting. It has a, a, a you know, a horror film title. It sounds it. exactly like a horror film. I'm surprised they yes. haven't actually made one about this. That's crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. I got one more. I have one more, too, after you're done. We have so five we, each. We do have five. Okay, so then I'd have two more. That's I, I, I was... I got two more. Okay, well, I do, got two more. All right, do, so I'll do this one and we'll see where we're at. I have one short one after. Okay, so this one, this is coming from the great state of Tennessee. Oh, we I have like some, uh, we have some listeners down in Tennessee. Yeah, shout out to my friend Jeff who lives in Nashville, who Jeff? has his own business. Yep, uh, he, he he runs a uh, um, a, a barbecue business. Another big, great, another big fan of the EMP project down there. He, he's a gentleman. He goes by the nickname of Double A. Oh, and uh, Double A, shout out to you. Ah, okay, a little Double A. Anyway, um, so this is the uh, it's from Tennessee, but actually it spanned a few different states. And this is called the, the Redhead Murders. That sounds creepy. <laughs> These happened from 1978 to 1992, and it was between 7 and 11 victims. Oh. So the Redhead Let Murders... Let me guess. They had some red, red hair connection. They did. Uh-huh. How'd you guess? I don't know. The Redhead Murders refers to a series of unsolved homicides of redheaded females uh, between October 1978 and 1992, as I stated. Mm-hmm. And they believed to have been committed by unidentified male serial killer. Serial killer. These murders, uh, they were believed to be related, have occurred in several states, including Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. That's quite an area. Yep. And they, uh, they, they believe that they've continued up until 1992. Uh-huh. So how they f- figure all this, I don't know. I don't know either. The victims, many remaining unidentified for years, were usually women with reddish hair whose bodies were abandoned along major highways in the United States. Mm-hmm. What do you th- does that, what does that sound like to you? It sounds like a, a like a long haul trucker. Yes, uh, pro, uh, and, and uh, targeting prostitutes. Exactly, That's what it sounds like to me. You should be an intrepid investigator. Well, you know, I have I have been known to investigate. You don't need things. to be a profiler to figure that out. You know how many profilers there are? Not many. You, you look on TV and you're like, oh my god, look at all these FBI yeah. profilers. There's really not that many. It's of funny. Them. There's actually uh, I think there's a there's a, as we get further along there's a profile in here that I want to go over. It's kind of okay. funny, but anyway. Uh, so authorities are unsure how many people were responsible for these murders, uh, if they were all performed by the same perpetrator or perpetrators, um, you know, and they're not really sure, like I said, how many, how many victims they, there would have been. It's also known as, uh, he's also known as the Bible Belt Strangler. Ooh. Uh, exactly, because that was kind of like the area where they were located. Yes, yes. It is believed that most of the victims remain unidentified due to being a stranger, not close to existing family members. So if you're a, if you're a long haul trucker, an easy victim would be a hitchhiker or a prostitute. Sure. And, and there's lots of those around. Yes, on the highways. Well, and believe it or not, there's and actually there was one here, not too long ago, a trucker. I don't know if you remember this, where he, uh, he was like a trucker uh, murderer guy, and he got out of his truck and he, a trucker he, murderer guy. Yeah, yeah. He did some home invasions and he killed some people and he got back in his truck and then took off and. No, I don't know that story. Yeah, that happened a few years Large back. Large Marge. Yeah, was it was a long haul yeah. trucker. Exactly. So the F, obviously the FBI was called in uh, over this time period, and uh, of course they didn't help. They no, never, they never help. They never help. They try to help. They, they, they never help. No. Anyway, no. but they had they had a couple uh, unidentified uh, suspects over the course of, or not ident- unidentified, but people of interest mm-hmm. over the course of time. But uh, they could they could never pin it on anybody. It's difficult specifically. with the victims, right? Because they, they they're used to being missed. Yeah, like people don't miss them right away. So there's always so a listen to time. the listen to the profiler uh, description, right? Okay. They describe the subject as a white male born between 1936. 
1962, <laughs> aged between 23 and 49. That's a big range. Who was likely a commercial trucker frequent, frequenting Interstate 40. They estimated his height and weight to be between 5'9 and 6'2 oh. and between 180 and 270. So they've just described pretty much everybody. 80% of the male population. <laughs> I could have done that profile and I haven't even seen any of the particulars of this case. Exactly. Wow. That's, yeah. help, that's quite helpful. That wasn't helpful. Oh. That was the redhead murders. Oh. Well, great. So we're, we're, we're heading towards the uh, the tail end of our program. The climax. But I do have one more. And for, for my last entry of the day, mm. true crime cases, uh, unsolved true, uh, murder cases, I did not listen to you. Oh. And I ventured outside the continental United States to visit a European country because we have listeners in the great state, great state, the great country of England. Ah. So I went to England for my last case. Now, the reason I selected this case is because it's fairly interesting. You'll find out in just a moment. February 15th, 1945, again, this was during um, World War II, near Meon Hill, which was near Lower Quinton. You know where that is. Yeah, I've been there twice last year. Warwickshire, England. A hedge cutter by the name of Charles Walton. A hedge cutter? Hedge cutter by the name of Charles Walton, 75, was found near, of all things, a hedge nearly decapitated. Hmm. Authorities to the scene quickly ascertained that the murder weapon was a hedge cutter. (laughs) Hedge cutter killed with a hedge cutter. Uh, implement that Walton owned and was probably using it at the time of his death. So somebody thinks they think that, that somebody wrestled the, the hedge cutter away from him. Well, he's mm. 75. It's probably not hard to do. No. And they used it to cut his head off. Upon first glance, this appears to be a garden variety hedge cutting decapitation that we all see all the time. All the time. You see that all the time. I had one uh, here last week. Yeah. Uh, however, upon closer inspection, you realize that uh, there's some crazy things going on here. Uh, the fine folks at Scotland Yard came out to investigate, but they quickly determined that there's more to the case. Villagers were reluctant. Villagers. They always talk to the villagers. They never know anything. Let's talk to the villagers. They're dumbasses. So the villagers were reluctant to cooperate, and according to detectives, cottage doors were shut in our faces, and even the most innocent witnesses seemed unable to meet our eyes. Some became ill after we spoke to them. Oh. So there seems to be some sort of cover-up going on. I see. Local history books, which recounted historic killings in the same area, made it seem like it was like a hot spot for crazy weirdo deaths. In the same area, 1875, a young man killed an elderly woman by the name of Ann Turner, as he believed she had bewitched him, while a guy named John Haywood killed a woman with a pitchfork and called her a witch right right in the area also. What the hell's going on? I don't know. A suspect was later found uh, that they think that they thought was uh, the killer, but unfortunately, because he had blood on him, turns out it was rabbit blood. Oh. And besides, despite taking over 4,000 statements from people, wow, they were never able to find the this killer. This is before computers. Yeah, but listen to this. This is why I selected this case. English witchcraft authority, Dr. Margaret Murray, which I don't know how you become a witchcraft authority, but that sounds cool, declared herself... She's 95% certain that Charles Walton was killed as a sacrifice by people who adhered to an ancient idea of the victim's blood being able to revive the earth. Oh. A local member, uh, a local ex-member of a satanic cult told the police that the death of Charles Walton had been a black magic killing as part of some kind of ritual. Uh, but th- despite these wild accusations and rumors and whatnot, no killer was ever brought to justice. Hmm. Can you believe that? Now, what was the time frame again on this? 1945, so during World War II. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Was it you? Were you no, it wasn't me. Oh. You didn't kill me. the hedge cutter with a hedge cutter? No. But that would be a gruesome way to go, I think. I don't know what a hedge cutter looks like. You know, the big blades, with the, they look like giant oh, scissors. Oh, yeah, like a pruner. Yes. My head got cut off with a pruner. I think uh, I think Jason from Friday the 13th killed somebody with one of those Did ones. he really? I think so. He killed someone with just about everything. He did. Uh, he wine, did. wine corkscrews. Yep. yep. Um, paring knives. He actually punched somebody's head clean off their neck. 
You remember the, that one? one of my no, I remember one though. One of my favorite was what there was a girl in a sleeping bag, and he just like picked up the yes. sleeping bag and he swung it around and hit her, hit it into a tree. Yep, <laughs> he did do funny. that. Not anyway, so funny. Scary. Not it was scary for me back then. I don't find those movies scary. I think not now. Stupid. You don't. Um, oh, what was I gonna say? Did I saw I saw a scary movie recently? You did. There's no scary movies these days. Oh, you know what it was? I wanted to mention this. Well, we we, we brought it up uh, when we were talking to uh, Luke and Brent. Uh-huh. Witchboard. Yeah, we were Witchboard. The, we the about 1987 that. Yes. Uh, uh, killer movie. Yes. Uh, horror movie. Yes. Starring Tony Catane and a bunch and of other people hot. that you've yes. never heard of. Yes. I watched it again recently, and you know what? It actually holds up. Really? You know, a lot of those older movies, they don't really hold up over time, and they just age. They don't age well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I highly enjoyed it. Uh, it was thrilling. It got a couple of scares and jumps out of it. So me. you recommend Witchboard? I you? recommend Witchboard. I see. What it's was the on, name of the killer? It's on Prime. Um, uh, it's, it's Mal something Malfisto some, or something. Something like that. like that. The guy that guy scared me. He yeah. looked, he, he had a beard. Yeah, he did. I was afraid of people with beards back then. Yeah, I don't like beards. Yeah, I had a beard. Did you? I looked good in a beard. Yeah, why'd you shave it? I had to. Okay. I need to uh, abide by grooming standards. Oh, I see. All right, my last one. Okay. It's quick. This will be quick. Okay. Quick hitter. Listen, we're going to Virginia. I heard you were a quick hitter. You ever been to Virginia? In and out. I, I lived there for a time. I loved it. Oh. Greatest time of my I life. I like Virginia. It's nice. Loved it. Loved it. This is the Colonial Parkway murders. Oh. Uh, and these were the slayings of at least eight people, apparently, by a serial killer along the uh, Colonial Parkway of the Commonwealth of Virginia mm-hmm. between the years 1986 and 1989. So a three-year pan. Mm-hmm. Span, rather. Pan's Not pan. a pan. Pan man. During that time, three couples were murdered, and one couple is missing and presumed, presumed dead. The killer has not been identified. Oh. So the first couple, quickly... Two females, victims, they were our United States Naval Academy class graduates, uh-huh. 1981, Kathleen Thomas and Rebecca Ann Dowski. So they could take care of themselves, you would think. Uh, you would think, but uh, they were they were killed, uh, rope burns were found around their neck, oh. signs of strangulation, throats slashed, Ew. purses and money were found inside the car, appears they, uh, you know, all kinds of strange shenanigans happened with them. And what's going on there? First couple. Second couple. 1987, David Knobling and Robin Edwards. He was 20, she was 14. So another couple, another creep show. What's going on over there? They were shot to death in the Ragged Island Wildlife Refuge Mm -hmm. on the uh, south shore of the James River near Smithfield, Virginia. Never been to Smithfield, Virginia. But I used to uh, go to the, we used to go down the Rappahannock, which is a big river in uh, in Virginia, northern Virginia Mm -hmm. area. And we would rent uh, kayaks. Huh. And we'd go down the river on the kayaks, and then we'd... Uh, we'd Aren't you afraid it. you'd tip over and drown? We would. We'd go, we'd jump into the water, and it was only like, it was like waist deep. Not waist, uh, like chest deep. Right. And so you could wade around the river, and you could drink beers and throw in them at kayak? each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, aren't you afraid you become submerged underneath of it and unable to turn your kayak around no, and your no, legs no. are trapped in the stupid thing? No, you just dump out of it. Dump out of it. You're not secured in any no, way? No, no. You don't, you don't tie yourself in. Oh. That would be dangerous. I'm not white water rafting or That's anything. Kinky. Uh, so they were killed in, uh, in, the, in uh, Nobling's Black Ford Ranger pickup truck. Killed, dead. Killed, dead. Third couple, 1988. Newport University students Cassandra Haley and Keith Richard Keith Cal or Call. They were reported missing after attending a party at University Square Newport News, which we've been to before. Ah. Uh, Cal's 1982 Toyota Celica was found unoccupied at the at the York River Overlook on the Colonial Parkway. Um, their bodies were uh, have never been found, and they're presumed to be dead. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the fourth couple in uh, September 5th, 1989, just after Labor Day weekend. Anne Maria Phelps and Dan Lauer vanished while en route to Virginia Beach. Uh, you ever been to Virginia Beach? Uh, I have. I don't like it. It's dirty. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not the not the greatest place no, in the world. It's not. But anyway, some hunters discovered their bodies on a logging road, uh-huh. a quarter of a mile from the courthouse road. This uh, guy's got a lot of bodies on him. A lot of bodies. At least one of the badly decomposed bodies appears to have suffered a, had suffered knife wounds. So, uh-huh. 
Yep. He's changing his MO. Changed his MO. Are we sure people. that's the same person? Because Might it seems be. like there's mi- different methods of, uh, of operation Well, maybe he's, uh, he's evolving. Yeah. He's evolving over time. I see. So. You know what I think is best about when you're talking about true crime and, and movies and TV, how people get their ideas? I mean, you, you, you and I both have been uh, around uh, real-life investigations for a long time. When there's a murder, how many investigators are usually assigned to it? Well, there's one primary. There's one lead. Right. But, and there's, there's others that help. But, but there's not usually a team of uh, FBI agents that fly in a private jet to come and investigate. No, not if it's your, like a, a, a single. Just or, a single death or no, whatever. No. no. And they don't solve it in, in an hour. No, they don't. That doesn't happen. No. NCIS. No. Uh, what are those other stupid CIS, shows? CSI. Yeah, they're all terrible. Yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway, we talked about some true crime cases from from the, the top areas where people listen to the Eon Project. Mm. I'm going to ask everyone a favor, and I should have done this at the outset of the show. We need a favor. If you listen to this show, we need you to go to your favorite, wherever you're listening to the show, on whatever podcast uh, site, whether it's Apple Podcasts or, or Stitcher or Podbean or whatever, and rate the show. Grinder, Grinder, Rate the show, uh, unless, unless you have something bad to say, in which case don't say anything. Shut your filthy mouth. Mm. But if you have something good to say, make sure you say it because... It does help. It does help spread the the, 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 the the word of the Eon Project to the masses. That's right. So you got to do it. Give us a good rating. Share it. Tell your friends. That kind of thing. And, and you know, for a, uh, a show that has a negative budget, we operate in the red here <laughs> we, on we the Eon Project. We lose money every week. We're losing money. Yeah. We, uh, we do the best we can. And, and this is free. We're not charging anybody. No, we're we not don't charging. do Patreon. We don't do any of that stuff. We don't have ads in our show. You ever, you ever been listening to a podcast and it... It's flowing and it you enjoy it. It starts off with an ad sometimes. And then there's ads like right in the middle. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just disturbing. I don't like ads. Well, they do it for a living. And we they don't. do. We don't. We have real jobs. Exactly. So some uh, you know, new and interesting, exciting things along the way and on the way. Yep. Check yeah. out hermitlight.com. Exactly. Uh, you, can, you can see our, our brothers in arms from the Black Lodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see our podcast there. You can see uh, snippets of what's coming up with us. That's right. And you can also find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. We have very few fans. We but went, if you liked us, yeah. you know, interact with us that way. We went extra long today, Mike. Oh, what time is it? Well, we're like 73 minutes in. Oh, my God. Yeah, your wife's going to get mad at you. She will be mad. All okay. Right. That's it. All right. All right. Just remember, until next time, the truth exists. Believe it. <laughs>